the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official New York Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. All right, all right. OTAs underway. This is the official Jets podcast. Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen in studio. Again, follow him on Twitter, E. Allen Jets. You can follow me, E. Greenberg Jets. EA, let's take a deep breath here. The veterans and the rookies, they're both on the field. They're going through practices and OTAs. And let's rewind all the way back to January when the season ended. The media's been talking. The fans have been talking. We're going to talk to kind of a blend of both because on this podcast, this installment, we're talking to Joe Caparoso, who's the head of Turn On the Jets, and he's also works with Whistle Sports. And then later on in the week, we're going to talk to Connor Rogers, who's not only a fan since birth, but he does a lot of stuff with Turn On the Jets. He has his own podcast about the Jets, but he also big-time player for Bleacher Report and Matt Miller in the draft all year round. So we got a great lineup this week. EA, this is you know this time of year, football's really smelling in the air, and training camp's almost around the corner, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, the train does not stop. We're uh, currently working on our 2018 yearbook that will be ready for season ticket holders and fans who come out to a couple training camp practices here at the Atlantic Health Jets Training Center. The other thing we're working on is uh, kind of an all-access series that you'll find more about here in the future after veteran minicamp and then we're trying to keep up with the daily content grind with that being said there are 10 OTAs as you just mentioned we're in the middle OTAs right now three of those 10 will be open to the media and then Todd Bowles will have his group together for a three-day period in June and then everybody goes away for about four or five weeks and that's on the training camp. And the thing different about training camp this year, sure, a lot of hype is going to be surrounded the Jets from a national perspective because of Sam Darnold. But the other thing that's different about training camp this year is after the Jets' first preseason game at home against Atlanta, the team is going to go right down to Richmond, Virginia, and they'll have three practices against the Redskins or with the Redskins prior to the Thursday night meeting with the Redskins down in D.C.? This is what you said the first time since, like, 05? Well, you wrote about it. Yeah. Uh, listen, I was there in 05. The interesting thing about 05 Greens was uh, the Jets at that time practiced at uh, their training facility like they do now. Mm-hmm. But the training facility was on Long Island on the campus of Hofstra. I'll never forget, I think Herm Edwards had horns blaring throughout the dorms so the guys could get up early. I think the buses probably left We'd have to fact check on this, but they left about 4.30 in the morning so we could get to SUNY Albany. And the Giants at that time, of course, were coached by Tom Coughlin. But I remember there were a couple brawls going on. Spirits got high, uh, maybe a couple mama jokes. And before you know it, (laughs) before you know it, there were some uh, fights in the air and things like that. So... Uh, that was Jets-Giants. I think it's commonplace now in the National Football League greens. A lot of teams practice with each other. With that being said, it's part of team building, and you're also competing against a different jersey, which is good. But, you know, I would imagine during the week you'll see some 
uh, you know, emotions get high. It's a physical game. It's a competitive game, and we'll see what happens. But, right, but I, I think it's a nice. Me personally, I think it's a nice break from a traditional camp that we're used to. Yeah. Unfortunately, for the fans at home, maybe it's uh, less of an opportunity to get a chance well, to see the Well, I was going to say another part is in Virginia, where the Redskins practice. It is going to be probably hotter than it is up in New Jersey. It's probably going to be real Yeah, and you know Todd likes that. Coach Bowles likes that. He likes putting the players in climates. I wonder if he's going to wear his uh, his, uh, sweater and sweatpants in the Virginia heat. Coach Bowles? Yeah, I would imagine he would. That's a a gutsy move. That is a gutsy. I don't know how he does it. He's been doing it a couple years. I remember uh, Jimmy Johnson, the tight ends coach, did it as well, where they're just wearing a full-on... Long sleeve, sweatshirt, and sweatpants. I mean, I'm we're wearing shorts and polos and sweating bullets. That that's like another level. Yeah, and another thing about Todd Bowles is he played eight years in the National Football League. Was a safety. He won a ring with the Washington Redskins. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. So that's that. a, that, yeah, be, that'd be a homecoming for him. I, I, I know I, that he knows. Uh, I'm sure Doug Williams. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm sure. That, yes, uh, he's got some ties to various people. In that organization still, even though a lot of faces change over the years. It must be kind of odd or kind of strange for a player. Let's use an offensive lineman, for example. You know, you you can't really hit too hard because it's your own guys. And then you probably get really excited to hit someone else. No, sure. And then that's probably where the spirits get raised because you can't go too hard because at the end of the day, it is practice, but it's a spirited practice. It, uh, I'm curious to know what you know what goes through a player's mind in that instance because you see a lot of, you know, instances throughout the league where two teams practice together and there's almost always some kind of skirmish. Well, you know, and that's what the cameras are looking for oh, too. Absolutely. And if the guy, if the teams practice for two hours and fifteen minutes and there was a skirmish for forty five seconds, you're going to see the forty five seconds. The other interesting subplot that I'm sure we'll cover in August is Terrell Pryor goes back to Washington. And Spencer Long. Uh, yeah, and unfortunately for Pryor last year, you know, injuries really hampered his only year with the Redskins. As we talked about here on the podcast two years ago, the guy was a 1,000-yard receiver. And you're right, Spencer Long, uh, we got a chance to talk to Redskins coach Jay Gruden about him during the NFL owners' meetings back in March in Orlando, and Gruden, uh, you know, he had a lot of praise for him. And, and Jets like his position flexibility. And you, you figure that right now he'd be the guy who will be starting opening night against the Detroit Lions Monday night football. I know uh, EA and I said at the top of the show that we were taking a look back. I know we just took a look ahead, but now, EA, let's dial back the clock. Let's go back. We're going to cover ground from... The end of the season to date in June. Let's bring in Joe Caparoso from Turn On the Jets. Uh, let's bring in Joe Caparoso, who is vice president of social media for Whistle Sports, but you also are very busy with Turn On the Jets. Joe, can you tell us a little bit about Turn On the Jets and what it encompasses? Well, I'm going to make myself uh, feel a little old here, but I've been doing Turn on the Jets for about 10 years now. Uh, I started doing it right out of college. It was part of a larger blog network at the time called uh, Fanball, which was basically a blog for every NFL team, NBA team, NHL team, MLB team. 
Unfortunately, the network shut down after six or seven months, but thanks to the guys who were running it, I was able to buy the domain and continue to cover the team. And uh, We've been lucky enough to have been able to build up a decent amount since then, and basically uh, we're just a collection of different writers and podcasters who cover the team, offer our opinions and analysis, offer film breakdowns of what we're seeing on a week-to-week basis. We're not necessarily there to break news or get press conference quotes because obviously there's a big infrastructure of other writers who provide that but we're more interested in diving into unique angles around the team built around analytics built around film breakdowns built around just what we're seeing as uh, a collection of people who have been fans of the team for you know our entire life and you know we're lucky we've had a lot of different talented people contribute you know to our content and we've been able to expand that with a few different podcasts and uh, it's been a fun off season. I could definitely say that. You know, it's definitely been a couple disappointing seasons with this playoff drought, but there's about as much excitement around the team now as I can remember since really they were uh, in the playoffs back in 2010. A new franchise quarterback will do that for you. We don't want to bury the lead too much here. What do you think about the off season to date? Darnold gets selected. We know that stands out. But as a whole, when you're looking at it on a macro level, take me from January now to basically OTAs. What do you think has gotten accomplished in a very positive direction here for the Jets? Well, I think it's been an encouraging offseason. And encouraging because they had a plan B ready, or plan B and a plan C, like Todd Bowles actually said at the top of the offseason, and that sounds good when you say it, but they actually did and they executed it. We knew they were going to be in on Kirk Cousins. Once it appeared that wasn't going to work out, they quickly got themselves insurance by getting McCown and Bridgewater, and then stayed aggressive and weren't happy to just sit at number six and let the draft break as it may. They did what they needed to do to go get their franchise quarterback, which is the most important thing in sports. So, they checked that most important box this offseason. They improved their quarterback room substantially by getting Sam Darnold in there, by getting Teddy Bridgewater in there. That's a huge upgrade both in the short and the long term, and good for them for being aggressive at addressing that position. Elsewhere, we know they needed help on the back end, specifically a cornerback. If you're going to invest a first-round pick in Jamal Adams, a second-round pick in Marcus May, you want to do everything in your power to make sure those guys can succeed. And one way to make their jobs easier is to put very good cornerbacks in front of them. So they got Morris Claiborne back when he is healthy. We know he's a quality starter. But probably better served not being a lead cornerback, but working opposite of a guy like Tremaine Johnson. And the Jets saved up all this cap space so they could go out and pay at a premium position, which is what cornerback is at this point in the NFL. Johnson was arguably the top guy on the market, a guy who's been the best corner on one of the NFL's best defenses over the past few years and definitely has the physical skill set to match up with other teams' best receivers and is a ball hawk and a guy who could hopefully help create more turnovers. On the other side of the ball, center was definitely a problematic area last year. I don't think anybody was surprised that the Jets moved on from Wesley Johnson. So they went and got a guy in Spencer Long who, went again, when he's been healthy, has been a very solid starter and should be an upgrade over Johnson and, more importantly, will help make the guys around him better. So you get Brian Winters back healthy. You get James Carpenter back next to him. The interior of the offensive line should hopefully go from being a weakness, which it was last year, to being a strength. And when you have a young quarterback under center, which is definitely a possibility this year, nothing is more important than keeping him upright and protecting him. So addressing center was definitely uh, a must. And then – 
I think another thing offensively, I think if you don't follow this team all that closely, it's very easy to say Sam Darnold or whoever ends up playing quarterback this year has absolutely no weapons to throw to uh, or hand the football to. And I think that discounts how productive some of the guys on this roster have been in recent years, and they made more additions on top of that. So two years ago, Quincy Inouye was over 800 yards. He should be back 100% healthy. Last year, Robbie Anderson, if McCown doesn't get hurt, easily goes over 1,000 yards, had seven touchdowns. He's coming back, and with the latest news around him, should be available 14, 15, 16 games. Jermaine Curse had, had over 800 yards last year. Two years ago, Terrell Pryor, who they signed, had over 800 yards. So now you have four guys who are over six foot, who have been right around 1,000 yards in recent years. And then a running back, whenever you give Bilal Powell the football, he's productive. Yep. Uh, he's had, two years ago, he had the second highest yards per carry of any running back in the NFL with more than 100 yards. The four times he's gotten 19 or more carries in the past two years, he's had 140, 150, 135 yards rushing. So you know he's going to be productive if he gets the opportunity. And then you bring in a guy, Isaiah Crowell, who is very good on early downs and will help shoulder some of the load alongside Powell. So I think the Jets have an underrated collection of receivers and running backs. A lot of question marks still at tight end, which I think is fair, uh, and question marks at tackle uh, if a guy like Brandon Shell could stay healthy for 16 games. But they did a good job adding more depth offensively by getting long Crowell, uh, and prior here offensively, and then on defense, it's going to be all eyes on Tremaine Johnson, who is you know the highest paid corner the Jets have had since they shelled out that big contract for Darrell Reeves. Yeah, he was the, certainly the big ticket item, wasn't he, Greens? He was. And then moving off of that, Joe is, you know, maybe not the big ticket guys in free agency, but when you look at what the Jets did, who they added in free agency, and I'm going to include the draft in this, whether it be drafted players, undrafted, whatever, of the pool between free agency in the draft, you know, who are some of the guys that maybe aren't the big-ticket fish that you could see having an impact on this team this year? So a guy that they signed in the later part of free agency to keep an eye on is Kevin Minner, I think, at inside linebacker. Yep. A guy who's had a lot of success playing for Todd Bowles. Uh, didn't have his best year last year for the Bengals, but has been a high-level starter at inside linebacker before, and I think will provide some needed better depth at that position and also help push Darren Lee and Avery Williamson uh, on early down situations. So he's a guy who I think could gradually step into a bigger role on defense. Also draft weekend, trading a seventh-round pick for Henry Anderson, a guy who, if he's healthy, I think slots in as a quality starter opposite Leonard Williams. And for a seventh-round pick to take a flyer on a guy who flashed the way he did for the Colts, I think that was a worthwhile gamble. And clearly the Jets wanted to build up their talent on the defensive line around Leonard Williams to help make his life a little easier drafting Nathan Shepard, trading for Henry Anderson, bringing back Xavier Cooper and Mike Pinnell. But Anderson and Minter are two guys who are a little more under the radar, but I think could end up contributing major reps to this team on the defensive side of the football. And then they also took a couple of flyers at the tight end position. And again, like I said, that spot is really wide open. You have Jordan Leggett coming back. You have Neil Sterling coming back. They drafted Chris Herndon in the fourth round, but also brought in Clive Warford and Bucky Hodges, two guys who, different skill sets, but Hodges was drafted at the same level that Leggett was a couple of years ago or last year. And Warford has had some productive time uh, for the Raiders. So with that spot wide open, you don't really know who's going to emerge as you know the top tight end, both in the run game and in the pass game. What do you want to see at outside linebacker across from Jordan Jenkins? I know we can uh, pen him in playing that strong side linebacker position in the 3-4. 
and most likely playing over the tight end. What do you want to see at the rushbacker spot, Joe? I think when the Jets are in their traditional 3-4 alignment and have two outside linebackers on there, Josh Martin is probably the leader in the clubhouse right now for the guy who gets the next most reps. He did last year, and he, he was fairly productive. And He was a guy who was really only known for his special teams, but had a really nice preseason and earned himself a good amount of reps on defense last year. And I think we need to see if Lorenzo Malden and Dylan Donahue can be healthy and productive, even though they were draft picks, Martin is – you know, a bit of a less heralded player. He was really the most productive outside linebacker besides Jenkins last year. I also think the Jets play a ton of nickel, at yep. least 60 to 70% of their snaps. So that a lot of times they're only going to have one outside linebacker out there. Or you could even see Todd Balls get creative and drop a guy like Jamal Adams down into the outside linebacker spot and have him rushing off the edge. We know Balls is never shy to flood the field with defensive backs and use them as blitzers. So when you're just looking at the current roster at outside linebackers, as it stands now, I think Josh Martin would probably get the next most reps after Jordan Jenkins. It's a great point about Bulls blitzing, and I think this secondary is going to allow him to be even more creative. Uh, what do you expect out of Avery Williamson? Uh, I think that was an interesting signing, and not a player that I think a lot of Jet fans were talking about, but did a lot of dirty work for the Titans, who had one of the better defenses in the NFL last year. And I think it was an interesting and ultimately a smart decision to Get younger at inside linebacker. Demario Davis had a nice season for the team last year, but he's 29. You go get a guy with a similar skill set, Avery Williamson, who's only 26, who was really a tackling machine for the Titans. I think the question for him is going to be, how effective can he be in passing situations and on third downs? Is he going to be a guy who only plays 60 or 65% of the snaps, or is he going to be up closer to playing 90 to 95% of the snaps? There's no doubt that he's going to be very good against the run and very good in early down situations. The question for him is going to be how effective can he be and how much can the Jets keep him on the field when teams spread them out and try to throw the football on them. That's yeah, a fair question because Demario Davis was on the field all the time last year. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, Joe, for the quarterbacks now, how do you expect that room to play out, let's say, come week one? Who's starting for the Jets? I know most Jets fans seem to think that McCown is 100% going to start the season and there shouldn't be any type of overt rush for Sam Darnold, which, look, if he's not ready, you don't rush him in. But I think, based on what we've seen, there will be an open competition for the quarterback position. And I think if Darnold is close to guys like McCown and Bridgewater, that the Jets shouldn't be shy or hesitant to give him the nod. I think you learn by going out there and playing and adjusting to the NFL speed. And Whenever he plays first, whether it's in week one, week eight, or in year two, there's going to be an adjustment period, so I don't see any reason to necessarily delay that adjustment period if Darnold shows that he is up to speed on the playbook and he is productive in the preseason. If he's not quite ready, you'll probably see McCown end up being the guy considering he started the majority of games last year. I think with Bridgewater, I understand the excitement about what he could be. He was a playoff starting quarterback a few years ago, but it has been a few years, and I think you have to look at the type of contract he needed to sign when he was a free agent this year with the lack of guaranteed money and the lack of the situation that he went into knowing he was going to be competing with an entrenched starter from last year and a team who was going to be drafting a quarterback in the top half of the draft. So if he's healthy and he is playing well in the preseason, it wouldn't shock me if the Jets tried to trade him for a draft pick because they're going to try to build around Darnold going forward and they have McCown there as a backup. Maybe, 
maybe he ends up being that good in the preseason where he ends up being the guy week one. But if I had to guess today, I think it's probably a coin flip whether it ends up being Darnold or McCown under center in week one. And I do think Darnold is going to ultimately end up starting the majority of the games this year and that that will be the right move for the Jets. I'm glad you brought that up because after the Supreme Court overturned its decision on sports gambling throughout the United States, you did an under-over article the other day on Turn on the Jets, and you said, Sam Darnold, five and a half starts, over. <laughs> I hope that that number is easily beat. I think five and a half is, is way too low. I think when you look at recent history with quarterbacks taken in the first round, I think something like 75% of them start at least 12 of their team's games in year one. The only guys who haven't are guys like Jake Locker, Johnny Manziel, Paxton Lynch. Patrick Mahomes is more of a recent outlier, but he was behind a guy in Alex Smith who was the starting quarterback on a team who won a division and was a Pro Bowl quarterback the past couple of years. That's not exactly the situation the Jets are in right now. So really, recent history shows that when you take a guy in the first round, particularly in the top five, he's going to end up playing the majority of the season for you. And five and a half games just feels really, really low, particularly with McCown being, you know, 39 years old. And I think last year was the most games he ever played in a season. So to expect to him expect him to exceed that this year doesn't seem overly likely. And I think we're going to see Darnold way sooner than a lot of people are anticipating. And I don't necessarily buy into this thinking from Jet fans that Todd Bowles is terrified to play rookies and play younger players. We wrote an article on this in the site a few weeks ago. If you look at the snap counts for rookies and younger players, Bowles has not been shy at all about playing those guys right out of the gate, whether they're first-round picks or whether they're undrafted free agents or sixth- or seventh-round picks. I mean, look how much guys like Robbie Anderson and Jalen Marshall played in 2016. Look how much Jamal Adams and Marcus May played last year. Uh, and he gave Christian Hackenberg and Bryce Petty, particularly Hackenberg, a ton of reps last preseason. Hackenberg started the second and third preseason game. I think if he would have played a little better, the Jets may have considered starting it last season. Obviously, McCown showed himself to be the best quarterback in camp. But I think Darnold's going to get every opportunity that Hackenberg got last year. And if he is better than that and close to McCown, I don't see why Bowles wouldn't play him. Yeah, and Todd Bowles has been clear about it, Joe. Hey, listen, no timeline. When he's ready to play, he'll play. And we'll have to see how... Everything progresses throughout the spring and then the mandatory mini camp, and then we got training camp. It's going to be here before you know it. You can follow him at Turn on the Jets. That's Joe Caparoso. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Is there anything that you want to say about this team, the way it stands? Is there anything that catches your eye before we jump? Well, no, I think, here? I think, listen, I'm not going to be breaking any news here, but. We're all going to be, what the media will be looking at first uh, throughout these OTA sessions is how does Darnold look now that he is facing NFL professionals? Remember, most of rookie minicamp involved the great majority of players on the field were tryout players. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I, we'll, I mean, we'll see. So we'll be taking a, uh, taking a look at Darnold, and I think this is a very important time the other thing that I think kind of gets lost in the mix here is that what's very important to Todd Bowles is chemistry, work ethic, teamwork. Last year we saw a lot of team bonding activities. We'll have to yes. see if the Jets continue to do something 
uh, along those lines again this year if they're able to duplicate, even though every year the roster is different, can they duplicate or build on that team chemistry from last year? And also set the tone of how you're going to practice. That's what you want to do in the spring. So there are expectations here. When you come back at training camp, this is the way we rock and roll. And this is the way we rock and roll on the official Jets podcast. Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen again. That was Joe Caparoso on the show. Next show, we got Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report. So make sure to stay locked in. We got a lot coming in the offseason. Again, this is OTA time, training camp, just around the corner.